another bunch of changes for General Electric, the company. Taking a look at the stock today, shares are down 6.6%, $22.25 a share. This after we saw an almost 6% drop on Friday before the stock rebounded um, and ended with a 1% gain. But that was on Friday. Again, we're seeing some selling today. Let's kind of dig into what's going on here at GE because we did get lots of news uh, from the company uh, after it reported its latest earnings. Joel Levington is senior credit analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, along with our Brooke Sutherland M&A columnist at Bloomberg Gadfly, our fast commentary section at Bloomberg News. Brooke, let me start with you because it is kind of interesting, right? The company reports stock drops. I thought it was going to get killed, right, on Friday. It ended the day with a 1% gain. And now we're seeing the stock get getting beat up again. What's going on? Well, I wrote in my story, I feel like investors were sort of drunk on John Flannery's can-do attitude. But I mean, I he just he gave a very good conference call performance, and I will give him that. But he was very frank. He was very open about GE's challenges. He was taking responsibility. He, you, you know, sort of vaguely laid out a, a plan of action. And I think that sort of comforted people. And they said, OK, well, this this is bad, but at least... He knows it's bad, and he's he's got some sort of plan. We don't really know all the details of that plan because that's not coming until November. And I think now that people are sort of taking a step back, they're saying, "Okay, but these numbers are really bad." So as you know, as great as it is to see him being frank and honest about this and not trying to sweep it under the rug, I, I, it's not a pretty picture. Right. And I think you have to confront that reality. It's kind of like Corey. Now what? Well, exactly. I mean the the. The, the news was bad. I mean, the fact that it wasn't as bad as it could have been doesn't mean it wasn't bad. Joel, um, what are the credit implications here? And, you know, we, we, we talked briefly earlier on the show about uh, the implications uh, on their 4% dividend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are, what are the implications on credit and the dividend? You know, do they need to borrow money to more money to keep the dividend payments up, which could keep the stock from sliding further? Uh, sure. Well, just to be clear, it was bad. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. It was a bad quarter. Um, and since you went, you let in with David Bowie, I'll say uh, both the dividend and the ratings are under pressure. Uh, when it comes to the dividend, uh, it costs about $9 billion a year to pay that dividend. This year, they're going to have about $7 billion of cash flow. So the math tells me that uh, they will have to either use cash or borrow to pay for the dividend. Going forward, uh, now they, made, they did make a case that they'll have several one-time items that won't repeat next year, which will boost the cash flow. But I think if they're taking a fresh view of the company and the amount of cash that they're going to need uh, to pursue growth activities as well as um, you know, pay the dividend, I think they have to take a pretty hard look at that. Their dividend payout has been well above their peers. When it comes to the credit rating, uh, S&P placed, placed them on credit watch on Friday. Uh, I spoke to the analyst uh, Friday night. My impression from that uh, conversation was that they are considering maybe a one-notch downgrade. If they do that, that will place S&P, excuse me, that'll place GE into the A-tier category. So that will lead to some forced uh, selling because they'll move out of that double A tier, uh, which is a very elite tier, into still a very strong but lower tier, the single A category. So it costs more to service their debt then? It'll cost more for them to borrow. To uh, borrow. Although, although F- future borrowing. That's exactly right. I think one thing that's important to note, too, is that $7 billion number that Joel mentioned. Um, that's cash flow from operating activities. So out of that, they also have to pay for capital expenditures and their pension. So I think there's sort of some confusion when you see that number. And then people are like, OK, well, that doesn't seem that far off from the $8, 9000000000 billion that they need for their dividend. But they have other things that they have to spend money on. This is not their only... Obligation. Well, so then, Brooke, I mean, they've talked about, what, getting rid of, what, $20 billion in assets? Um, so will that make a difference 
if we start, you know, if we start to take a look at the balance sheet overall and they get rid of $20 billion worth of assets, does that change much for GE? It sort of depends on how you do things. I, I, I don't think it changes much in the overall picture because $20 billion is a, is a big number, but in the context of GE, it's not that big. Mm. And part of the reason they're in this situation that they're in now is that they've been sort of breaking up and getting rid of businesses, but have kept their dividend payout at the same level. So they've had less cash flow, but then have still been paying out you know, a similar percentage to their shareholders. And so I think if you start selling some of these businesses at dilutive valuations, you could end up making the problem worse rather than better because you're taking away cash flow. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, is there, you know, this is a company that's been through not a few changes in the last, you know, we, could, we could call it 10 years, uh, uh, maybe less, but really changing with the business lines that they're in and focusing on other kinds of business lines. Is there any way for we can sort of look at this and say the financial engineering? Because one of the constructs of Jack Welch's uh, GE was a financial construct uh, uh, that was able to use GE capital and other things to go into certain business lines, able to use the cash flow provided by a media business to able to support other kinds of product lines. Uh, Jeff Immelt's, uh, the, uh, the ultimate Jeff Immelt GE was a very different kind of company. And I wonder if we can uh, start to cast uh, judgment on what he created from a sort of financial construct. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to cast judgment on anybody. Um, you know, I got enough oh, problems. I got. I got enough problems fun. myself. But what I would say is that uh, the left hand of the balance sheet is where you create the value, and that's the asset side. And what they've really done over the past decade is move into a bunch of machinery businesses, which are much more volatile and lumpy in profitability and cash flow. And that is not what you expect out of your traditional diversified industrial. The reason that you get a multi-industrial multiple in the mid-20s is because you're very bond-like these days. People like 2 or 3% growth and 8% earnings growth and a dividend, and you're good to go. And GE can't deliver that with the cyclicality that's inherent in their business with all the exposure to power, to energy. Right. It, it's just not doable. And so that's really either a reset or what needs to get fixed. So how should investors then, I guess, think about this company going forward? Or do we have to wait to see, Brooke, to see what they get rid of and see what the next iteration of GE is? Yeah, you know, I think that is sort of my take on things is that you're going to, it's going to be a while before we start to see any real improvement here. And it's going to be a painful process. I mean, if they do have to cut the dividend, that will, I think, not go over well with retail investors. And then, you know, if you get rid of some of these businesses, if you have to start taking more charges and the power and oil and gas or whatever it is, you're looking at sort of a tough slog for the next few years. And so, you know, in terms of how you think about this company, I, you know, I think you really have to ask yourself whether some of the issues they're facing in their their power and their oil and gas businesses are more secular in nature, mm-hmm. um, or if this is just sort of a cyclical change that they're going to work through. And I think right. it's the pendulum is sort of shifting into these challenges aren't going to weigh. They're going to be an issue for a really long time. And then you have to wonder, what is the appropriate value for the business that GE is, as Joel was talking about. With Joel, her. the credit agencies, though, they're going to move, you know, when should we expect maybe some kind of change from them on GE in terms of the rating? Well, I think November 13th will probably be the first time that they'll uh, respond in, in a meaningful way, and that'll be after the company gives their new outlook on what they want to be. It, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jeff Inmalt has a very big story in the Harvard Business Review this month uh, talking about the uh, GE being a startup. Uh, but it, it really is a 125-year-old startup, but I don't think it in the way that he was trying to paint it. 
uh, there's still a lot of work to be done here. Maybe wrote that when he was still in the running for the Uber job. <laughs> oh, wow. On that note, yeah. we should leave it. <laughs> Nicely done. Brooke Sutherland, m and columnist at Bloomberg Gadfly, our fast commentary section. Uh, check her out uh, at Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. Joel Levington, our senior credit analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, both in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. 